Hey everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I have said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Okay, happy 11-11. I am so excited uh, to get to live another year through an 11-11. Um, I love repeating numbers. 11-11 is a fave. Uh, everyone can make a wish today of all days, but I also love 11-11 make a wish and just really getting into that sacred moment, like just the chance of you looking at the clock and seeing the 11-11, right? I just love it. Um, I always think repeating numbers and things like that or special numbers that, that I see are um, signs from the goddess that I'm on the right track and alignment. And um, anyway, so today I wanted to talk about creating more than you consume. This is something uh, that I've been guided to do for a while. Um, I've heard it from a few of my psychic friends um, and also just from my energy, just like kind of understanding what I need. And what's super interesting is um, in this Scorpio season, uh, which is the season we're in right now, um, I think a lot about death and dying. Um, Scorpio season overlaps with Day of the Dead, which is, I don't think a coincidence. I think this time of year is part of that. Um, they say the veil is the thinnest on that day, but also I think it's always thin because it's a veil. So you can always have access to your loved ones who have crossed over um, literally the only thing you can bring with you to the afterlife are the people that you loved in your relationships. So it's, it truly is the most important thing in life. And um, I learned this past weekend in an online leadership seminar that your uh, relationships are as strong as your communication. So communication skills really just help increase the health and connection of your relationships. Um, but what's super interesting, so I've been focused on this, like creating more than I consume um, I think I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but maybe not explicitly. I've definitely said it to some friends and certainly to my therapist at length, but I've been really dealing with a lot of PTSD from cancel culture and creating and sharing on the internet. Um, my podcast is an interesting uh, aberration simply because I feel really comfortable kind of sharing and being super transparent on the podcast because if someone's going to listen to my podcast, they're really going to be investing some time and connecting and hearing my tone and hearing how I say things. Right. But when you write, um, frequently people are reading your writing in the tone that their own inner voice is, Right. And most of us, our tone inside our heads is really nasty because that's how we were raised. And so when you're a nasty person reading words, you're reading it in a nasty tone. So there's no nuance there. And 96% of communication is like nonverbal. I think it's 94%. The 6% is what you actually say. Everything else is about tone of voice and the way you say it, your facial expressions and all those things. So when you lose elements of that communication, you kind of lose uh, nuance and feeling, right? And it's very easy for people on the internet to just criticize, um, say negative things, pile on. Um, and when you're a creator or when as a creator who doesn't have the resources to have other people help me like manage my social media, I can't like monitoring comments is really hard. And when you get a big internet pile on, um, like with cancel culture, it is so difficult to navigate that. It's really hard to even have, um, the energy to deal with that. So um, for my YouTube videos, I made a really intentional choice to create more on YouTube in the last year. And I have this really great um, pile of a uh, body of work, right? Something that's ready for folks to find me and like dive in and learn from me. 
Um, but I have all of my comments turned off, which means my algorithm is totally tanked on YouTube. It's really just something there for people who know to come look for me. I'm self-care party, by the way, on YouTube. And almost all of my interviews with someone else um, are up as a live podcast recording so you can see people and see us uh, connect to each other. Um, but I intentionally like kind of uh, experience less traction from the robot overlords um, giving me algorithm boosts because I don't do comments because I don't have the resources to monitor them. And people, um, you have to be able to monitor the comments. Otherwise, it just goes south really fast. So um, something I've really been working on leveling up my attention into is blogging again. I have been blogging in some form of another, or some form or another since 2002. So there's a lot of my early adventures on the internet. And um, that was fun. I also learned... Uh, very specifically that you do need to be mindful of how you talk about the people you love on the internet when you're sharing about them. And so I learned that the hard way early on so that I could keep getting better and more ethical as I move forward. Um, but I started the current blog I have, it's called queerfatfem.com uh, in 2008. And part of, so I have this great archive of work, right? Like there are some posts that like went viral um, a long time ago that were like really meaningful for people. And every time, um, like basically I've had my blog, like have issues with it, um, a few different times and I'll get some random email from an old friend saying, Hey, I was trying to find your breakup, uh, tips post. And it says your blog is down. So that indicates to me, oh, shoot, I got to go like pay attention to this and figure it out. Um, I'll say this. As a creator, I don't recommend having three websites you have to manage. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and yeah, that's what I have created because I keep, you know, having new things spring up and then they have their own website and then that's what I'm managing. So I have been working on creating more than I consume. I have been really getting back into sitting down and writing. I read the book Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. And if you are on any kind of journey that involves writing, highly recommend. That's the best writing book I've ever read. I've read a lot of them. Um, but Bird by Bird and Anne Lamott's really good. And she says, you just got to sit your butt in the chair and get to writing. And there is closing the gap between knowing and doing is sometimes the hardest work you're, you'll ever do. Um, but once I do it, I always feel better, right? And so I've been sitting down and writing more. I've been blogging more. I did a good post about seasonal depression tips um, a couple weeks ago. And I've been writing about my friends who have passed. And it's um, interesting because like, you know, with Day of the Dead, sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself that I want to create uh, an ancestor altar and do something really fancy. This is multiple years in a row where I'm like, I'm going to do it this year. This year, I'm going to do something really special. And this year I decided, you know what? I'm not going to put pressure on myself to get a thing done. I'm going to instead just sit down and write about my friends and really get some intimacy in that way. And sitting down and remembering my friends who have passed away has actually been really good for me um, in various grief processes over my lifetime. And grief is one of those things. It's just a side effect of loving. It's a natural part of life. I talk a lot about grief on this podcast because it is just a part of life. And I want to normalize grief. There's this really, I mean, while we also interrogate the idea of normal, right? But destigmatize grief, like really understand that grief is just part of living. And if you have good grief hygiene, um, you can have good emotional stability. You know, like if you're um, ignoring your grief, you're going to deal with it with interest. But if you're present for it and like connect to your loved ones when they call to you, it will 
pop those pimples of emotional hurt or whatever. That's probably a gross analogy. Maybe pop bubble wrap. I don't know. Um, but I wanted to um, kind of tell a story, share a story of how um, just today, actually, I was finishing up this blog post I've been working on for a week about my friend Amanda Arkansas Harris, who um, died via suicide five years ago. And um, she's like the reason why I have Biscuit Reynolds. I like, once she passed away, I was like, oh man, um, this grief, uh, I need a grief cat. So I went out and I adopted Biscuit Reynolds um, and named Biscuit because Amanda, uh, I had three people I lost who uh, were Southern and I had bonded with over Biscuits. And I was like, I'm going to name this cat Biscuit. But then I realized that everyone names their cat Biscuit and I wanted him to be even more original. So he has two first names like George Michael, Biscuit Reynolds. Anyway. So uh, Amanda, I had, so at a certain point I stopped writing, um, memorial posts for my friends who passed away. It wasn't like I consciously was like, I'm never going to write these again. It was mostly just that I was so overwhelmed with how much grief I was dealing with, with my friends who kept passing, which has continued to happen. I was like, my blog feels like a graveyard. I don't, <laughs> I'm tired of it feeling like a graveyard. So I'm just going to like take a pause on writing these posts, which, you know, was just what I needed to do for me. But then also I noticed like in terms of like digging through my PTSD around writing and like putting my words out there, I was also like getting worried about like, oh, are people going to cancel me for stuff that I said in 2010 before I, you know, evolved? Because obviously, I mean, not obviously, not everyone grows, right? But I have grown so much uh, over, I've grown so much over the last three months, let alone over the last like, you know, I don't know, 14 years almost that this blog has been a thing. Um, I might've started the blog in 20, 2007, actually. Anyway, it, it really was like throwing me for a loop. I was getting in my head about it and like not wanting to create, but I was also continually getting feedback from people I loved about how valuable my blog was to them and their processes of healing, whatever that may be. So lots of different things that I was getting from people being like, Oh, I loved your blog about this. And I was like, huh, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. <laughs> usually what happens. Like when something's repeating in my life, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a message. So I realized I need to get over myself. I need to be more curious than afraid, which is really my work in the world. Um, this is the life I want to live is to truly lead from curiosity instead of allowing my fear to hold me back. And, you know, frankly, I've been canceled like three, four times. So at this point I'm done. I'm, I am canceled. Right. If, if that's an identity. Um, but it also frees you up, right? Like what else are they going to say? So I've decided that it matters to me more to create for the folks for whom I help heal, right? Than it does for me to stay afraid of the people who are going to read my stuff and hear it negatively anyway, because that's how their brain is wired and they're not interested in changing that. And, um, so as I like continue to brave that I'm like sitting down, I'm writing about things and I was writing about my friend Amanda and I have invested easily 15 hours into this blog post because like writing itself is a practice that takes time, but certainly so is photo archival work, um, digging around, trying to find photos of people. Um, I have like an old photo library uh, that's on one site. And then I have my current photo library on Google photos and like uh, Google photos does a great job of um, looking at picture face recognition. So I can, so if someone passes away, I'm like, Oh, purple Courtney. And like, she's right in there and I can see all the pictures I have with her. Right. Um, it's so great. But then for all of my old, old friends who've been around for forever, they're all in my old archives and I have to look 
um, I'm in the process of moving it all over, but it's, it's quite an endeavor. Anyway, so going through all those pictures, finding old pictures of my friend, putting together this memorial tribute that I never did five years ago, or so I thought, right? So I'm going through, I'm doing the final touches on this post today. And um, I discovered that I had in fact written a post about her. I had, I had done that work. I just genuinely thought I never did one for Amanda. Um, and I'd really just been feeling like this need to connect with her. Um, and so in many ways, like as I realized that I had posted it and it's funny because if you read the one that I just wrote, I'm not going to publish it, by the way, I decided not to publish it. But if you read the one I just wrote compared to the one I wrote right after she passed, um, it's totally different tone because I've grown so much. Right. And I've softened and I've kind of understood grief a little better. I, there's something in me that is very resentful right after my friends, um, and their lives via suicide, even though I believe in body autonomy. I also like, you know, there's a, it's all part of the cycles of grief, right? Anger is part of it. Um, and one of the best things you can do is not judge your emotions for coming up and just be present with them. But it was funny because like, I was like, is this wasted time? Right. As I'm like looking at this post today and I'm like, no, because I was creating and it doesn't matter that I'm creating for consumption. Rather, I think sometimes it's important to just create in order to create. I've been listening to this podcast called Who Was Prince? And it's been really fascinating because like I study prints. I still study. I think um, even after people pass away, you can still have a relationship with them. And what's really beautiful about what Prince Rogers Nelson did for us who really care about his work is he created a body of work. He was very intentional about what his body of work was and what it included. And so consuming his body of work, like going through and watching each and every video he ever created um, and like listening to his music, finding so I hadn't really ever heard the song Paisley Park until I re-listened to it from a new perspective recently. I'm like, oh, wow, this song, right? So it's really cool. Like as I age and as I change, um, I get to experience things and art that people have created, people I've loved have created um, in a new way, right? And so listening to this podcast, Who Is Prince, it's like a whole different level because like I never considered how other people in his life experienced him. But it's interesting because he didn't have great people skills. He really like, um, there's like, do you want to be remembered as the kind of boss that was like super demanding and mean, right? <laughs> and moody and could be four different people at any one time, right? Um, and I know I haven't been the perfect boss when I've been a boss. I was a boss when I was like, I don't know, 19 years old at a job, right? Like you just get kind of put, in, you're reasonably responsible and they put you in a managerial position and then you're responsible for people, but they don't actually train you about good people skills. Um, that comes with intentional leadership development. Um, and so, but just like listening uh, to people's experiences of him, I was it was giving me another push in the direction of continuing to move forward on learning better communication skills and better leadership so that I can, be kinder to the people in my life. And so they can actually feel that I loved them. Right. Um, but kind of listening to about like his process and how he would just, he would at 3am call his musicians that were in his band at the time and would just be like, meet me at the studio. Cause he had ideas because he was always having ideas and he wanted to just dive right into them. Um, and that he would work on these ideas and then sometimes he would just shelve them, but he worked pretty much every day on something. And so it's kind of liberating, actually, to think about just creating and creating enough that like there is space to have both a body of work that you feel proud of. And I have to say, I'm in the best position I've ever been in as an artist in my life. Ten years ago, I didn't even identify as an artist. That was like a coming out um, for me as a lawyer to be like, well, actually, I think I'm an artist, too. And I'd been creating art 
for 10 years prior in a professional capacity getting paid for it. Still didn't identify as an artist until I finally gave myself permission to identify as an artist. Um, but now I think I've given myself permission um, to really acknowledge how great the stuff I'm creating is and like be really proud of my body of work. Like I look at my, um, I pay for a Vimeo account uh, so I can host all these videos because I do my aerobics class and I have my aerobics on-demand membership. So every week I'm creating a new workout video. Plus I'm creating spiritual self-care um, videos for my Patreon page. And of course these podcast episodes and just looking at like the body of work I'm creating even every day, I go out and dance in the woods and record it. Um, the The woods dancing is really like a self-care practice that's performative for accountability, but it's also fun, right? And so just creating and knowing that I'm creating stuff that someday someone's going to find and resonate with, and I don't know who, like who or how many um, are going to connect to it, but to be proud of the work anyway, regardless of like what the results are. I think is a really powerful position to be in myself as an artist. And I'm really grateful. And it's been a lot of self-esteem work to, to be able to like stop a recording at the end and be like, wow, that was great. Because it wasn't too long ago that the first thought I would have after I finished creating something was a negative picking myself apart, um, critical eye. I grew up in a family culture that saw criticism as a form of love. I'm still in a family culture that sees criticism as love. Um, I do not perpetuate that anymore. Now that I'm conscious of it, I really work hard to only praise and to um, understand that anyone who needs or wants my criticism will solicit it from me and then I can offer it. But until then, I am not going to ever lead with criticism because people want to be loved. They don't want to be criticized. So um, it was just like, it's the internal mind, like, right? Like your thought life is so, so powerful because how you treat yourself and how you talk to yourself is how you talk to other people, especially the people you love. And I'm really, really grateful I've done all this work on my thought life so that I can be kinder to myself in the process of creating. Because if you're a creator and your first inclination is to just berate yourself and pick everything apart, it doesn't incentivize you to keep creating. Unless you have one of those personalities where like you just want to keep going until you get it right, right? Um, I have a personality that wants to be strategically lazy, if I'm honest about my personality. I want to be able to be great, like show up and trust that I can do this and do it well. When I first started teaching aerobics, I would bring notes to class and have to like teach from notes. And then eventually I learned how to remember things and teach from the heart. And I think that's way more effective than like getting everything quote unquote right. Like getting things channeled for the people who are participating in that class is exactly what I'm really intending to do. To be a conduit for God's love for those people and to say the things that need to be said to the people who will be showing up for that class. Um, and I'm proud of the fact that I've gotten there. Um, it took a lot of coaching. <laughs> Um, a lot of personal development work to trust myself. And um, in many ways, you kind of got to clean yourself up, right? Like you got to do a lot of emotional work so that you don't have insecurities hanging in front of you and speaking your truth. But I've really found that authenticity and um, being, being willing to connect to what's true for me in that moment and share from the heart is the most effective way that I create. Um, I also have noticed too that scrolling on Instagram is an addiction. This is not some sort of monster revelation for anyone, 
but it is I, I love people and Instagram is the way I can see most of my people at a moment's notice. Right. Um, but you can lose a lot of your life to scrolling. And so this is how I have interrupted my scrolling culture to have a more intentional life. I started doing this in 2019. I would highly recommend you pick this up. This is not mean that I never scroll. I do sometimes scroll, but most of the time I don't because I, Instagram, the robots, I don't want the robots to be in charge of my intention. I don't want the robots to run my life, right? I want to run my life. So I picked people who I really wanted to connect to on Instagram every day. I want to watch all their stories. I'm going to read all their posts. I'm probably, I'm going to like and comment on everything because I'm a nice person, a kind person, not nice, kind. And, um, I think, I mean, just leaving kind comments on the internet is a form a revolutionary act. I'll say that. Um, but I intentionally follow or learn from 20, 10 people a day. So I have like 10 folks that I have in my little IG search bar. It's, it makes it easy because they keep your top 10 in your search history. So you can just go on there and see who's new, who's got new stuff and clicky right on it. Um, and what it does is as soon as I've gone through that list and I see there's nothing left to consume, I'm, I'm ready to be done with scrolling on Instagram, right? Like I know that's my indicator. I got to put this app down. Um, it doesn't always work, but it works a lot more. And it keeps me from like idling away and consuming random stuff rather than really intentionally sitting down at my laptop and writing or creating even just a reel, right? On Instagram or whatever I might be creating. Um, so just it, it helps to focus on the creation to give yourself permission to create but it also helps to eliminate your distractions, right? Like I think that Netflix, re, like the the Netflix or Hulu or whatever you're watching, that like autoplay of the next episode is the most dangerous thing. And I think if you can, um, here's two things I want to give you to interrupt if you want to change these behaviors. Number one, every time you are uh, about to check your Instagram, check in with your body first, find out what your body needs and maybe go get some water maybe go to the bathroom, right? Maybe move your body around a little bit, maybe stretch, right? So checking in with your body before Instagram. And then every time you're watching something with an autoplay for the next one, pause and consider, is it going to nourish me to keep watching this? I'm not saying don't keep watching it, but like really consider the nourishment of how you spend your time and be intentional about how you spend your time. Because I think that's going to really change things for you. Um, if you want to have a more creative life, a more creative life rather than consuming is much less stressful. It's much more, um, I think in alignment for me. Um, and I'm just hearing it more and more. I also think that sometimes being willing to like be messy, create a thing and then put it in the vault and not release it is part of the process of creating, but you do need to risk putting it out there, right? Like you do need to just like press publish on some things and like keep trying. Cause you're never going to, some people need to hear whatever you have to say from you specifically, right? Like you could feel like, oh, this has been done a million times. I've said that to myself before, but you know what? Sometimes people can only hear it from you. So I want to just challenge you to, <coughs> to really like boss up a little bit and take more risks. Um, recognizing uh, my favorite new thing I learned about imposter syndrome is that um, the only people who don't have imposter syndrome are con men right? People who are running a con, they think that they're succeeding when, right? Like, but actual imposter syndrome comes up because we are not socialized how to be brave. We're socialized how to be critical of ourselves. And so 
just recognize imposter syndrome means you care about your audience. You are leveling up and uh, you got to feel it. Uh, name your awkward and do it so it becomes part of your comfort zone. So I hope that helps. I really hope that you create something new this week, that you do something that is a little out of your comfort zone. You play around with something, you pull out the paints, you pull out the journal, you just like get it out and um, whatever it is that you're creating. Um, I wish you all the best of luck in that endeavor. I want to also talk about something new I'm creating, which is Patreon pep talks. So I got some, uh, I would say encouragement from friends on the Glowing Goddess Getaway Discord um, that they love my pep talks. And um, Deidre said, I would pay for, for your pep talks. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll make it a Patreon benefit. So now it is a Patreon benefit. Um, Patreon.com slash FKDP is the best way to support this podcast. I can only create this podcast because of that Patreon and because of my beloved Patreon supporters. Thank you out there. Um, and FKDP stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class, which is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. Uh, at every level of Patreon membership, you get access to these pep talks, and they're just, you know, on topics. One of them is about un dealing with uncertainty. The next one that's coming out next week is on uh, dealing with drama. And uh, I've already recorded a couple more, so um, there's a queue. But once a week, there will, on Mondays, there's Patreon pep talks. Uh, also, you get access to my Zoom aerobics classes. So uh, it's 12 bucks ticketed to go to these Zoom aerobics classes, but it starts at two bucks a month on the Patreon, which, by the way, the lowest tier is going to go up. So if you want to lock in at that $2 price, you can do that right now. And then, um, but for five bucks a month, you get a taste of my on-demand membership for uh, Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics. So you get one video a month to work out with on your schedule, plus all the Zoom classes. Uh, the full membership that supports uh, this work as an ongoing sustainable thing is 25 bucks a month. And that's less than the cost of one um, soul cycle class, but it includes all these great on-demand videos. There's always six videos available, a 10 minute, a 20 minute, two 55 minute classes, a chair aerobics class and a can of size class, which is slower, more repetitive choreography for use with an optional cannabis experience. Um, I love getting to create these aerobics. I hike into the woods and record them with the trees. Um, and then of course, when I go on tour, which is not during COVID, <laughs> I record my class live wherever I'm at. So you get to be on the ground as part of Facky Dance Party. Plus it includes all the Zoom aerobics classes. It includes spiritual self-care practices that I teach on and so much more. I'm always offering little bonuses, uh, including early access to podcast recordings and things like that. So I'd love to spoil my Patreon members. I hope you'll consider supporting me. I just love this new economy where we have these subscription support sites where we can support creators who make things that are meaningful to us and use our economic power to create the world we want to see. This kind of, this is the revolution. This is the renaissance is this time where we get to go in and find the artists who really matter to us and support them and help that work come to life. Um, this is such a tremendous time. I'm so grateful to get to create and be alive in this time where I can just record a podcast and reach all of you who are listening um, and just get to make work that I hope is nourishing to the world and helps create the world I want to see. So I love you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you value this podcast and you want to help out too, you can also like it, subscribe it, give it a little rating in the rating store, uh, share it with your friends. 
Um, but I just appreciate that you're here and I know you're not here by accident. So um, I love you so much. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next week.